new CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What are the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host for today's show, Brendan Sinone, joined by Josh Newberg, Chris Nee. Zach is, I, Zach's just turned into an old man. He's down in South Florida and he's buying cats and he's in the villages. And I just, I don't know what's happened to Zach, but covering this football program can age someone very quickly. I think we're all finding out. So isn't Zach just driving home? No, there's some other things that are there's happening. There's some stops too. along the way. Yeah, okay. stops along the way. Okay. I hope not, I'm not oversharing, but yeah. Yeah, he's going to be a cat hoarder. His hoarder, cat hoarder is what's happening. So there is a lot to get to. Today kind of feels like a doom and gloom day. And this week's been weird where like one day feels great and optimistic. And then the next day feels hopeless and then optimistic again and hopeless. And um, welcome to being a Florida State fan in 2021, I guess. It's just par for the course. Ups and downs, guys. Ups and downs. So before we get into... Uh, what I'm going to call a debacle of an 80s search right now, I'm going to go ahead and say that if I get some pushback for it, whatever. Uh, we got Chris Nee saying uh, stumping for 80s on his uh, his YouTube profile right now. So I, I think that's fair to say. Before we get to that, let's give a round of applause, gentlemen, for soccer winning, what, what's that, a, a 10th, 15th, 20th national title? Third national title, third star on the jersey, three and eight Re- years. Really impressive. Man, man so- awesome. soccer's, soccer's so... Uh, it it could be so fluky and you, you get to like extra kicks like or, or over you know um you get to like i wouldn't want to say overtime but you get to penalty penalty kicks, kick shootout penalty kick shootout it's so devastating and so fluky when you get to that point i remember covering uh high school soccer and there was a, a team in orlando that won four games in a row off penalty kicks in the playoffs to win a state title just you, just, you never know what's going to happen when you get there um did you watch it live chris yeah, Mark Krikorian runs the most professional organization in the business. I mean, he's unbelievable. And the talent on the team's phenomenal. He's recruited at an extremely high level. But the way they're prepared, the way they play, the way they push opponents, they do a phenomenal job. It was extremely disappointing when they didn't win the national title for the season that concluded earlier this year. That technically was last season. They were the best team in the country last year. And I think they that very much fueled this campaign for this bunch who went and got a job done and did a great job doing it. Coach Krikorian's like around at football practice. Like people take a lot of interest, like where he's at at all times. He's super well respected throughout the athletic yeah. department for a reason. Um, but he's yeah. regarded as a really, 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 really great coach. And also sense. pretty good man. Like he's he's mm-hmm. easy to get along with away from the coaching factor of it all. Right. Right. So congrats to them. Um switching to, I guess, not as positive for our sparkly news. Yesterday, we all went to bed thinking that AD hire would probably be announced today here on Thursday. Chris had an article saying that FSU was expected to hire uh, Vince Tyre. Am I saying it correctly? You know, it's not going to yeah, matter whether Tyre. I say it. No, it's not going to matter because he's not coming here. So go ahead, Chris. Fill him in on what happened. So the expectation yesterday, Louisville's board of trustees met in the afternoon, and they decided upon two contract clauses that were a major obstacle for Vince Tyre 
to leave that university and go anywhere else. And the presumption at that time is that he's leaving there to go to FSU. And it wasn't a presumption. It was a belief strong on both sides, both the Louisville side and the FSU side. So those two obstacles are knocked down. One was a non-compete. One was a 30-day clause. Both of those are gone. That allows for an instantaneous transaction to occur for him to depart if necessary. Part of the reason he's believed to be wanting to depart the university is a strong difference of opinion between him and the university president there at Louisville, a relationship that wasn't going to be bandaged, wasn't going to improve. So we're Wednesday evening comes about about 4.35 p.m. The expectation, FSU's working on the contract with him, is that he's going to sign said contract and end up at FSU. And that was one of those things that multiple people said. The minute the Board of Trustees decision came about, that was the expectation wholeheartedly. And I believe that was the expectation on both sides, FSU and Louisville. And you've seen numerous people on both sides report in that regard, including myself. So Wednesday, go to bed. Thursday, wake up. Louisville president leaves for Penn State kind of abruptly in the sense of that morning introduced at Penn State. Thanks, Eric Barron, for retiring. That's why all this is happening. Eric Barron's still sticking it to FSU all these years later. So that happened. So suddenly Vince is in play for potentially remaining at Louisville because that relationship that was an issue is gone. But obviously new president, different relationship. That's a bit of a roll of the die for anybody to deal with. So reports come out. Mark Ennis, I believe it was with it first. He's a local radio guy, good guy all around. Somebody I see at some of the ACC kickoff kind of stuff. Um that Vince may remain at Louisville or may go in the private sector, but has wholeheartedly turned down FSU's offer. Now, I asked on FSU's side, is that true? Nobody wants to say yes or no to anything. That's kind of been the case throughout this whole process of not wanting to be definitive about anything until there's formal announcements. But I do have reason to believe that is true, that he turned down FSU's offer. So at this point, it looks like FSU is essentially either going to have to reset, reset button Go back in, try to pursue Vince again, which I don't think is going to be the case. Or the other option is you promote Michael Alford from within, who could be an AD, and it would be a good one. If you hit the reset button, you're either going back to a list of some pre-existing known commodities, El Shahawi at Georgia, Pierrenton at Alabama, you know, people on our message board throwing out the name Mark Coyle at Minnesota, some of those types. Uh, there's a young lady at Texas Tech who came out of FSU too, who I've had the name brought up to me, Rick Hart's another name that I've heard. SMU, he's son of Dave Hart, who used to work here. Those are mostly just names that have been thrown around. Differing degrees of actual interest, I believe, from FSU, or at least vetting from FSU. They could go to that list, or it could be truly a complete reset, a national search. FSU tries to get a sitting AD elsewhere to come in here because they want somebody from outside with fresh blood to sort of remake that department in their own vision, in their own way, without any pre-existing attachment to it. I'm not sure at this point in time, and we're talking here, about 12.30 p.m. on Thursday afternoon, what they're going to do. If they want an easy, quick solution that I think is a good solution personally, if it's solely on my opinion, it's Michael Alford. Um, truthfully, I think Michael Alford was the best solution from the get-go of this whole process, but that's just a personal opinion. I'm not hearing that directly from FSU. I think there's some at FSU who would like to go with somebody who is not directly attached to FSU, even though Michael's relationship with FSU is a much smaller window than most. He's only been here a short time, but he's done a phenomenal job, in my opinion, in that time at FSU. That could be a quick solution. The other solution, I think, is a much longer one, which is sort of hitting reset on this thing and doing more of a true national search or at least a more broad search than they had intended to. They like Vince a lot. 
the timing was right in the sense where it seemed he was ready to leave Louisville and that it was a realistic possibility he could leave Louisville, which the Board of Trustees made a real thing last evening. And FSU liked him because he's a sitting AD, a businessman, attached to the ACC, has a relationship with the commissioner, feel he would come in and do to this department what I think they would like someone coming here and do. Those are the reasons events kind of happened. It happened so quickly. It was a timing thing. Now I'm not sure which way to go. It's going to be very interesting. I've been on the phone a lot today. A lot of people are just aggravated that it kind of blew up. Some think FSU even got used to a degree in this process. Yeah, that's where we are. It, it feels that way to an extent that FSU was was used. Um, so if people are thinking that, I could understand that. Uh, Chris, are you interested in being the athletic director now to step in here in the final hour to really just salvage things? I, I know Josh. I'm not the least you. bit qualified to be the athletic director. But you have yeah. ideas. That, You're there's an idea so man. much involved with that job. Patience being probably the first part of the formula that I oh, just you, don't have. You don't have patience. I do want FSU to nail the AD hire because I don't feel FSU's had a great AD since Dave Hart, in my opinion. And I think it's an extremely important time for FSU to have a great AD and someone who works well either with Michael Alford or if it is Michael Alford, someone who works well with Michael Alford replacing him with FSUAA in the booster side of it. We're all works well together. I want it to be our harmonious relationship that's super productive for FSU at generating revenue, spending it wisely, and advancing this university and athletic program into the future in a prosperous manner. Josh, uh, you kind of both of us we let Chris handle the AD search uh, coverage because that's what he does very well is administrative stuff, and and so we haven't talked about it a lot or voiced our opinions on it. But but now that you've kind of seen this blow up at least on on the bench i don't know what you're doing on your spaces or what you're saying there but uh, at least on on the bench we haven't talked about it a ton what are your thoughts about guys what's transpired and uh, amid the chaos here i guess uh, seems like a pretty bad look for fsu right yeah i guess it seems like that i'm kind of like you said on the outside it's not it's more that i just ran out of storage space in my brain like between <laughs> high school juco transfers and the coaching carousel i really don't have just the bandwidth to participate in this uh the search for a new ad but from the outside looking in i don't know why everybody's so upset right now because if i read Knowles 24 7 message boards correctly nobody wanted this guy anyway yeah it, that is kind of a funny observation very true uh, ad is a weird deal i i tune into this stuff a lot but it's it's all dependent on what the university needs then and now, but also somebody who can probably be flexible and change as things evolve. So like right now, FSU needs somebody who can help raise money, someone who's good with relationships in the conference and trying to maneuver FSU to be in its strongest hold. Things of that sort, I think, are very, very important. Someone who spends wisely because, you know, prior to Coburn, the prior AD, Stan Wilcox did not do so in Coburn, had to come along and help clean that up. And that's that's the story of the last two ADs, largely in a nutshell. They need somebody that more continues the trend of Coburn, but also is more about generating money. Coburn right. was a bean counter who got things in order. Go ahead, Josh. Sorry. For the people like me who are just on the surface of this thing, we don't know everything there is about an AD search and all that. But one of the names that does stand out is Jeff Purinton. Um and it, and it stands out to me because I happened to bump into him leaving the spring game. He was walking out of the stadium with Chris Winkie. Um, I stopped and talked to Chris for a second and I wasn't even paying attention. And Chris is like, Hey, you know, Jeff, right. And he introduces him. And I was like, Oh yeah. You know? 
So we know he's kind of around the program. He was at the spring game. Yeah. Why is contract, he not being? He's Alabama's number two currently. He's worked with different bowl groups and some other stuff, Orange Bowl among them. Jeff worked at FSU back in the day, early days of me working on FSU. He was here. Right. I think to some degree because of his prior attachment to FSU and the fact he's a number two, not a number one sitting AD, those are things that are causing hesitation with regards to what they were going when they went with Vince, when Vince was the idea. And okay. I think that's from the top. I think that's the president's decision and what he wants in an AD. Jeff, I, Jeff's very talented at what he does. He's done an excellent job of working himself up the food chain. If FSU is going with a number two, I don't know if there's a whole lot that I think are better than him. I think Graham Neff at Clemson is the best number two in the country, but I think there's an excellent chance Graham Neff is the next number one at Clemson with Rector Mitch leaving. So, like, I'm not here to say Jeff would be a bad hire, but I think there's hesitation on the hiring side of it to go with Jeff because of some of the prior attachment to FSU and the fact that he has not yet been a number one in the sense of being number one AD. Would you say that Michael Alford's more qualified to be in that role? Michael's been an AD before. Yeah, yeah, right? Michael's yeah. done it before, done it at the highest level. I think it also helps that Michael has an immediate lay of this land right now because he has been here for a while working around it as a, a great understanding of what's going on here. So, yeah, if you're comparing those two solely in that way, but I think those two would work well together in any capacity. I, I think Jeff, Jeff is a nice guy. Jeff's an easy guy to get along with, mm-hmm. a guy to like, and he's done really well for himself, and he's worked his way up there. So it would be FSU taking a bit of a leap to be moving on to him as a number one, but I don't think it's the most far-fetched idea in the world, but I don't think that's going to be what happens. That would be a strong reversal from a lot of stuff I've heard in the last week about him as a potential candidate here as an AD. Is some of the frustration that you're hearing, we'll move on to, there's a lot of other things to get to, so we won't belabor this a whole lot more, but it's obviously impacting every single aspect of the athletic department. The guy who runs it uh, hasn't been hired yet. Uh, is some of the frustration that you've gathered, Chris, from talking to different sources that they, they feel that FSU, is the frustration coming that they feel that FSU was used? Are they feeling that FSU just didn't execute this well when it had to? I guess what what is the feedback that you're, you're getting? There's a little bit of the use. There's also just the frustration that comes with something that you think there's finality coming to and then it abruptly does not. The truth is this process doesn't have to be this rushed. You know, Richard McAuliffe and David Coburn only issued statement basically a week ago that David intends to retire, but David's retirement is not necessarily something that has to happen before the end of the spring semester. So there is plenty of time. There's three, four months of a window FSU has to truly make this hire. This was a timing thing with Vince potentially leaving Louisville. That made sense. And it would have been kind of nice to have it all squared away and put away and truthfully maybe have them even in place for the spring semester when it starts. So I think that's the frustration we're hearing today is that it felt like you know, 12, 18, 24 hours ago, this thing was almost put to bed. And now here we are sort of maybe having to hit reset. But. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Right, well, we'll keep you guys updated on that. And Chris is going to continue to cover the AD search. And he thought it was done, but that's not how things always work around here. So sorry, Chris. Uh, let's move on to uh, another topic that if you guys have been listening uh, to On the Bench recently, this won't be a surprise to you. Uh, and that is that FSU is set to hire Randy Shannon as his linebacker coach to replace Chris Marv. Uh, Chris Marv, as we informed you guys earlier in the week, uh, was moved. uh, But basically, Randy Shannon was moved up to from a support staff role to on field, I guess, to basically be a a recruiter uh, while Marv was exploring another option. 
that option has come to fruition. It was to be the defensive coordinator at Virginia Tech. Uh, I don't know where I want to start with this topic. Do we want to get into what we thought? think about Randy moving up, what we think about Marv leaving? Uh, Josh, I'll, I'll throw this to you and, and you I, kind of set the table. Yeah, here. I'll just lay out the timeline of it all. So on Sunday, when the picture with Azariah Thomas at Niceville High School uh, surfaced, Randy Shannon was in there, so we knew something was up because in order for Randy to be on the field as a defensive analyst, it means Florida State had to take somebody off the field. So uh, we did some digging. I came out with a report Sunday afternoon saying that, yes, indeed, Chris Marv was off the field and that at the time I was reporting that he was likely going to Virginia Tech, but I was unsure and that I thought that Randy Shannon would be promoted in the long term because at that point, FSU can put anybody on the on on the road on a different day. They could take a guy off, put him on, take him off, put him on. Um, but the plan was to stick with Randy in the short term, meaning through the early signing period. And I had said that I also believed that the plan was to keep him long term. Um, and I reported that he'd likely have a tag of co-defensive coordinator or some sort of tag to go along with linebacker coach. I still believe that'll happen once it's officially announced, still hasn't been officially announced. Word started leaking out to the national media yesterday. We saw several reports saying that Randy Shannon is expected to be named the linebacker coach. Um, in the meantime, Chris Marv was poached away by Virginia Tech. They hire him to become their next defensive coordinator. A nice move for Chris Marv. Uh, a smooth transition for Florida State. And um, I think it's solved here. I think the, 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 you know, Randy Shannon will be the linebacker coach moving forward, probably be announced maybe this weekend or after early signing day. Why is the linebacker coach being poached a smooth transition for FSU? As I stated several weeks ago, heading into the offseason, I never believed Mike Norvell would fire anybody. I said that several times. But I do did think that there would be coaching change. Well, how does that happen? This is how it happens. Um, from what I understand, after the season ended, Chris Marv informed Mike Norvell that he was going to take, you know, this is Chris Marv reading the room. Chris Marv walks into Mike Norvell's office and tells him that he's going to, he's got some options and he's going to weigh him out and he's going to get something. I think Mike Norvell would have given Chris Marv more time maybe even through the new year to find something. But I don't believe there is a scenario where Chris Marv was coming back. Um, you know, having talked to sources that were in that room, I don't believe him and Adam Fuller worked together very well. Um, that was evident to anybody that was around them. And this, this is good optically. This is good on paper. And it's a win-win-win. It's a win for Chris Marv. It's a win for Mike Norvell. And it's a win for the FSU program because it, it, on paper, it looks like somebody just poached their linebacker coach to become the next DC at, a, at another ACC school. Yeah, you can you can continue the the Mike Norvell yeah. uh, coaching uh, tree type of, type of conversation with and that. And then let me also say why the pick was Randy and why, you know, it was the same reasons that I said on Sunday um, – and again, this isn't me advocating for Randy. I'm just telling you guys why it was Randy. So don't get mad at me. Don't say that I'm wrong. Don't try to convince me. This is just the reason why it was Randy. 
Um, one, he's him and Adam Fuller worked very well together. Just as Chris Marv and Adam did not work well together, I'm told that you know Adam was very attentive to any suggestions that Randy had, vice versa. They just worked well together. So it was no surprise that he might get even a co-DC title because of that relationship. Also, Florida State needs a strong recruiter in the South Florida area. Uh, you might be able to go out and get some other linebacker coaches that are strong recruiters, but I don't know who's available that can also recruit the South Florida area for you. So in those two, you know, as Chris likes to say, it checks those boxes. I don't know if it checks all the boxes, Chris, but it checked those two. And that's what was important in this hire. So this means I mean, FSU's getting Wesley Besaint, right? Easy there. Easy, easy, easy. Too soon. Too soon. What? Well, Help me out with this, guys. So Sometimes I you just got to lob the grenade and watch uh, it Chris, all blow up. Chris is feeling feisty today, and I like it. I'm here for it. Uh, well, so did I, you know that Mike Farrell went on the radio and said that Travis Hunter is going to Georgia? Who said that? Mike Farrell. Over at oh, Rebels. yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. godfather. Our, our friend of the show, Greg Oyster, texts me to let me know that was happening. I immediately went to the message board, and there's two threads already about it. Yeah. Uh, I love Check this with time of year. Josh gets 12 days of Hanukkah. I've got 25 days to wait for Christmas, and there's not enough eggnog in the freaking world. Would you like something for your eggnog, Christopher? I've got options. I might come on bourbon in a barrel or whatever the hell you Bourbon on a budget. Whatever. Big man, big heart. All right, next topic. Why are people? No way. Why are me. people? No, no. Real quick, real quick. Uh, I can confirm what Josh said, and not that you, Josh needs come my confirmation because his sources are rock solid. But yeah, there was some tension there uh, with with Adam Fuller and uh, and Chris Marv. So seems to work out well for everyone. I don't think Chris Marv probably would have been welcomed around uh, these parts, anyways. It's based on some of the recruiting traction that was happening um, or not happening, just struggling to close. That's well documented on here and. It's not nothing, no slight on Chris Marv. He did a really nice job with the linebackers coaching the position group. It's well liked by his players. So uh, I, I, I view this as an upgrade with Randy is, Shannon. I, some people don't, though. Some people are. I was going to say, is hiring Randy Shannon the bird in hand who's a experienced coach and has a familiarity with the program? Is it a good I, thing or should they have done a search? Go. I, well, yeah, I think it's I a solid the, hire. I don't know who the options are. like. If you're saying, if you're saying, should they take Randy or the field? I mean, there's 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 worse options. There's probably there's maybe better ones, but I don't know, you know, realistically who we're looking at. Like, if you gave me five options and Randy was in there, I would be able to tell you if this was a underachieving or overachieving hire. I just don't know. It was there was never a coaching search, so any names that would have come up would have would have just been purely speculation, you know. What are the critiques on Randy Shannon, though? Like, what, what are the reasons? Uh, the resume is impressive. Some interesting evals that didn't pan okay. out. That's one that I know we've heard, and I think there's some truth to that one. Randy specials um, is what they're thinking were called. back to that okay. time. Yeah, um, you know that he's bounced around a lot now, which he's been in coaching forever. Coaches bounce around; it's sort of what they do, especially when they're not a head coach or a coordinator. Yeah, and he's been all of those things. He was at, at Miami for a really long time. I, um, I feel like. The guy making the hire got to test run the guy for a year and felt comfortable enough to make the hire. So I'll go with that. Maybe that's that's being a bit naive. That's fair. Yeah, Mike does a pretty good job evaluating coaches. It's not perfect, but especially getting a chance to work with someone closely. Um, it was like Marv, he hadn't worked with previously. Adam Fuller, he hadn't worked with previously. Uh, Coach Woodson, he obviously had. 
uh, Coach Papuchas, he had it. Coach Hagens, he had it. So his defensive staff has all been kind of disjointed and, and, you know, they've had two years together now. You actually saw improvement from year one to year two. Um, One thing I would say about Randy with the negative aspect of, like, of evaluation for him, he's not the defensive coordinator. He's not making the second to final call. You know, it's all – final call goes to the head man right but but he, if he's the one really advocating for guys he could advocate for guys at his position group or in his recruiting f- footprint which we imagine will be in miami but that that biggest mark on randy the biggest check mark against him i don't feel like is that big of a concern with in terms of evaluation because it's not across the board on defense there's multiple levels of coaches who are ahead of him who are going to be having the final call so at uh, that's not something I, I worry about. Now, can he get you – can he close on South Florida recruits? Um, can he get you someone like Wesley Besinth or other guys in the future? Like, I think that's more what we need to see uh, from him before we can say this is a good hire or bad hire. If FSU goes out and wins games, they'll land plenty of South Florida recruits. If they don't go out and win games, they won't land as many South Florida recruits. Like the, It's not hard. Florida's a five, Florida State's a five-win team this year. It's hard to land top recruits as a five-win team. They go out and win nine games next year, 10 games next year. They're going to have a bunch more success on the recruiting trail. Is that going to be because of Randy Shannon? No, it's just because Florida State's playing better. Yeah. Just how it is. To Josh's point, it's funny. Somebody this morning asked me, if, is FSU going to finish well? I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really think they're going to finish that well. They're going to get some. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to address some needs. But I said that, and then I go, well, you know, for a 5-7 and seven team, actually, yeah, I guess they're going to finish pretty well. So it all comes with, you know, a little bit of degree of taking it. And they're, what, the 11th, 12th ranked class in the country right now. So they've done a really good job considering the results on the field. And, hell, they weathered an 0-4 start extremely well. Yeah. And I think that 0-4 start, I was thinking about that today. Um, I think the ghost of Jacksonville State is going to haunt them at times still as they're trying to finish things up. Like if you didn't have that 1-4 start and you lost interest with kids, you didn't have to make up ground. Like that is something that they're still – think battling and you're gonna see a lot of second place finishes doesn't mean you're not gonna win one or two battles as well so let's get into recruiting since we're kind of oh go ahead josh i want to transition to recruiting though the perspective on this is skewed anyway because travis hunter's committed just imagine if travis hunter right now was uncommitted and he had a ceremony on december 15th and we felt that fsu led for travis hunter right now and our crystal balls were all in on travis hunter the fans wouldn't give a damn about Wesley Bassain, some undersized linebacker from Miami Central. They wouldn't give a damn about like half of these guys. Is If the number one player in America was uncommitted and we could see into the future knowing that he's going to sign with Florida State on signing day and it happened, everybody would be through the roof on how Florida State finished early signing period. To an extent. I, I the don't fact know why that keep... Travis Hunter's been committed for 11 months. It, people kind of forget that what you have and how important that recruitment was until, until they think he's going to Athens and then they'll remember real quick how important he is. And we'll start doing scales of how worried we are. Why, why do you keep calling Wesley Bassin an undersized linebacker? Like I understand that he's undersized at linebacker, but there's negative connotation. He's really well, important. I think if Wesley, I, because I think we put more priority on the guys at the end. If Wesley Bassin yeah. committed to Florida state or Miami in May, Mm-hmm. We would be like, we would be like, oh, cool, that's a good linebacker on the commit list, right? But yeah. now it's like Wesley Besaint makes or breaks these classes. I, I understand where we are and why, but in the need. But let's be honest: if he committed in February or March, it'd be it, the importance of his recruitment wouldn't be. It would be different. 
Some of it, though, is that FSU so strongly narrowed their focus to him at a position where they really could not afford to miss and now have missed. Right. Let's talk His about importance what... doesn't mean he's still not an undersized outside linebacker, right, Brendan? <laughs> yeah, but I just there's this negative connotation when you say undersized. Like, it's dismissive about him, and he's – Okay, yeah, he's undersized. Well, guess what? Most linebackers are undersized now. Wes yeah. Bessane meets an FSU player across the middle and annihilates him. Somebody tags Josh Newberg on Twitter. Undersized? undersized? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> okay, let's talk about some of these. Uh, let's get into recruiting. We have official visits coming up this weekend. Chris and I are going to be on the bench, mostly Chris, but I'll be there for moral support and to annoy him, uh, I think, is what we're going to do. But before we get to the official visitors, what we have on the docket, let's talk about some of the like the open-ended recruitments and, and the developments that are happening here in the final days uh, of you know this, I guess I was going to say recruiting cycle, before early signing period. So, Josh, let's start with Wesley Besaint. FSU's making one last run at him, but... Yeah, well, let's, all, right, all right, let's before the but. Uh, yesterday on Knowles 24-7, I had a second recruiting scoop of the day, and this one centered around the fact that Florida State was making a second run at Wesley Besaint. Um, That is true. Florida State is making a second run at Wesley Besaint. Even the Inside the U site has reported that Florida State is expected to do an in-home visit with Wesley today. Um, I believe Adam Fuller and most of the defensive staff will be in there. That was the good news. Um, for Miami has already done their in-home visit. So it looked like Florida State was going to get the last face-to-face visit with Wesley Besaint before uh, the dead period hit and the early signing period began on December 15th. Not so fast, my friends. NCAA rules state that if you take an official visit to a program where they had coaching change, you can take another official visit to that school if the, if and when the new coach is in place. So, Besaint and Miami are going to take advantage of that rule. Inside the U, uh, Andrew Ivins reported this morning that Besaint plans on being at Miami this weekend for a second official visit. Uh, that takes a lot of the wind out of the sails for FSU, who is hoping to get the last face-to-face. Obviously, there's some optimism uh, that FSU is going in and, and is going to have a meeting with him and the family. But, you know, the writing's on the wall, at least before this in-home, before FSU goes in, it looks like Miami's going to be able to shut the door on this one and keep Wesley Besaint committed. Bummer. What else is at the linebacker board? What's Jerron Willis to? And he's not committed to Georgia Tech anymore. Wah, wah. Um, no, he's not. Is he an undersized linebacker or an oversized safety? He's an oversized John. safety. Who wants an oversized safety these days anyway? Apparently um, Ole Miss. <laughs> and, you know, FSU did go in home to go see him on Monday. I believe it was Adam Fuller. Um, I got some information from somebody close to the recruitment on what happened with Jerron Willis. Hold on. I wrote it down somewhere i don't know where it is but um what happened was he he went and this decision was really made i think over the weekend and i'm told that him and his coach reached out to the schools that he wanted to gauge interest from to see if they were still interested in him i know fsu being one of those obviously old miss uh who else was in there chris who else is involved old miss pitt has been getting involved fsu was mentioned uh, obviously decommitted from Georgia Tech. No mention of Florida. I feel like we're forgetting one school. I'll look real quick. Stall, stall, yeah, stall. But um, he, you know, he he kind of tested. He he sent out um, some phone calls to see if there was still interest, and then decided to open up today. 
Arkansas. So it kind of sounds like Ole Miss. I, I've for, since the season ended, I just never. I don't see Jerron Willis in this class one way or another. I don't know if it's because of him. I don't know if it's because of FSU. Like they're just not in love and they can't force it. That's how I feel this recruitment's going. Like whether it's on FSU side or his side, like it's just not happening. Old Miss has a scheme that can sell him as a safety because they play three deep usually. And one of them tends to be a bigger, almost like a rover, which is at best what he will be as a safety which is far-fetched and we all know it, but you know what I mean. Yeah. That's a that's a sale job they can make. Um, it's their job. I definitely locked in that crystal ball at a solid five for him. Like he could literally email me in bold print where he's going and I'd lock in a crystal ball for five. Oh, you put one in for Ole Miss? Yes, yes. I'm, oh, I didn't know I that. moved that thing on over, yeah. Oh, where was it on FSU? The long national nightmare of it being on FSU when he recommitted to Georgia Tech after never decommitting from Georgia Tech. Is it mine still on FSU? Tech. Yours is still on FSU, Josh. Yeah. I don't know, Josh. I, don't keep <laughs> I can your balls. turn it now. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of crystal balls, I put in two yesterday and people care about them. I put in three. Guys don't care about my crystal balls. Like You going 0 for 3 on them? No. I, no you, put, you put what? Kelly to Miami, right? Yep. Okay, I'll agree with that. I agree with that one. Jaden Gibson, you got way ahead of yourself, right? I didn't know that Oklahoma was involved when I did that. Brendan, follow the visits. Yeah, I don't know how much Jaden Gibson is where he's going. Once it's announced, once we find out where Jaden Gibson's going, I'm putting my crystal ball pick in. I know when you put your pick in that you you were jumping the gun. Rule number one, follow the visit. But can I? I'll explain because all ahead. I'm doing is following logic here and and not going with with juice. Um, yeah, I mean he Mike Norvell went and visited him, and then he decommitted the next day. And I was like, oh, optics. That, yeah, the, the optics were that. Um, those are the optics. Those and we knew that FSU, but we did know that FSU was trying to get him up, right? So like, if FSU was trying to get him up, and like, okay, so that's the last domino that has to fall at that point. So you got you got the visit. You got the decommit, and then you need the visit to the school. Two out of three had fallen. You forgot that FSU is a five-win team, and you forgot that he's a top 50 player. Dating back to the summer, <laughs> What's they're that? putting – I have a new HVAC system going in, so there's no, people in the like attic camera. Josh thought it was right his house. No, it's for once, it's my house, Josh. Sorry. But uh, dating back to the summer when he came for the seven on and we talked to him, I just don't think the kid genuinely has a great deal of interest in FSU. Yeah, right. he said as much to Andrew Ivins in the interview the other day. So yeah, I, I got I'm a little ahead of myself. Is, but but and I don't, and I'm not just like taking shots at FSU. I'm just saying like you have to understand the gravity of it all. Like he FSU is a five win team. If FSU is a ten or eleven win team, they can make a move like this on a top fifty player that they had no relationship Easy. with. Mm-hmm. I, I think just, what I was what I was hoping for, and not just with him, but uh, with several guys. I think is what fans were hoping for is that FSU stability would lend to a lot more turnaround with so much. I mean, look at the footprint there in Florida change, Miami change, Clemson. Well, look at the Thomas recruitment. So let's go to that. And that was my third crystal ball. And oh. you know what? I feel pretty good about that one. To no, that State. one I feel good about for you. But again, I'm going to wait till he steps on campus. What's going Although, on? Is he what's like going on, on the way? Does he get in tonight? He's, he's supposed to come in for an official this week. And I'm not 100% sure if he's arriving this evening or tomorrow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Marcus Woodson's done a really good job building a bridge there and, making sure FSU had a chance in the end. That was a relationship that had its up and downs throughout the process. And uh, I think FSU has a real legitimate shot there. He, 
I had somebody tell me earlier in the week it was an FSU-UF battle, but the biggest thing going for UF was his relationship with Jules. Jules has not been retained at UF, and from what I can gather, Billy Napier and him are not off to the greatest start relationship-wise. So I don't think it will be them. Now, he does know Corey Raymond well. LSU was a major contender earlier in this recruitment, so Raymond does have that relationship, so there's always a possibility of circling back around. But I don't I don't feel confident that that's going to be the case for Florida. So going into the FSU visit, they stand a really good chance. Other schools that have been involved in this throughout Florida, we've mentioned LSU I referenced. Oklahoma was another one. So all those have had a good bit of change, obviously. Josh, what, what the hell is Billy Napier doing? Like, what are your thoughts just overarching on on his kind of teardown process? Oh, I don't think it's over from what I'm hearing. I uh, reported on Twitter that I think they're going to bring back Chris Rumpf. Um, hearing that this morning, he's with he's in the NFL with the Chicago Bears. Um, hearing some smoke that Juwan Sider is going to be returning to the state. And I don't oh, just boy. mean Florida. Um, Miami's going to make some splash hires, too. I believe that. Miami was in on Corey Raymond and thought they were going to get Corey Raymond. So one way or another, Corey Raymond was coming in. I think Juwan Sider's being fought over between Miami and Florida right now. Um, of course, Penn State's going to want to keep him, but if he has the opportunity and somebody's dropping him a bag, I think he returns to the state of Florida. I don't think the big hires are done um, by either of these two teams. And hopefully some of this starts to rub off on FSU and you start that to see them reinvest the same way that these other programs are. I mean, Sometimes this comp- this type of competition, this type of raising of the bar could be a good thing for Florida State. I will note, like, FSU is paying about $9 million a year for its head coaching positions, just paying two head coaches. So, And the coaching staff, like, people are looking at what FSU is paying for the assistant pool right now. And, yeah, the, the ante has been raised. The bar has been raised, as Josh said, like, all across you uh, in your in your footprint. FSU has not, for all the, the times we talk about their money issues or limitations they have, they're not gun-shy on paying for assistance. They're usually in the top 10 to 15 nationally. Um, so, so it's not like this, you know, people like to joke FSU's poor. Like They have issues where they have to be smarter with things financially, but they're willing to pay for assistant coaches. They've shown FSU that. FSU has money. They don't have FU money. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. That's the best way to say it. You don't see, and even when you say, see Florida State, when you say they're in the top 10, you never see Florida State, though, hit that contract where, Oh, they're paying him. They're paying the defensive coordinator more than anybody in the country right now. Even if it's only for a month or so, you know, as a new contract comes in, they're just getting in, in that top 10 in in the salaries. They're not really blowing it away. They're not out in front, you know, the first one to do this amount of money for, for this coach. So I agree with you. There's money. There's just not endless amounts of it. Reasonable. Uh, and I think that'll continue to be the case for the foreseeable future, too. I don't think it's doom and gloom for FSU financially. They're going to have to be judicious in some areas. Uh, but what I was trying to ask you, Josh, what I meant to ask was with Napier, like his strategy of like blowing up that recruiting class, essentially. Like a lot of coaches, when they come in so far, they just grab everyone and say, let's just sign who we can get for this transition class. He's doing the exact opposite. He's saying, no, we're not going to take anyone that I want to be tied to for a few years until I do my, uh, as you like to say, DD on it. Yeah, the only one I really don't understand was um, Jaden Gibson. I can understand even uh, Ewers, the quarter or whatever his name was. What's the quarterback's name? Ever, Not Ever's, Evers. Evers. Nick Evers, wasn't it? Nick Evers. Yeah, you Nick don't Evers. want to tie yourself to a quarterback that you don't know well. Yeah, yeah, I can even understand that. The only one I don't really understand, like Francis Knowlton. I mean, there's not. You look at Florida's uh, commit list, and it wasn't very impressive from the O line to the D line. 
Um, the wide receivers had already decommitted that were worth a damn prior to Jaden Gibson, but the Jaden Gibson one to let him go. Like, I don't know where you're going to find somebody that's 6'4, 190, has four years of eligibility, top 50 player, whether that's the Juco level, the transfer level, next year's high school level. Like, I don't understand why you would, if you're in the game to acquire talent, why you would let Jaden Gibson walk. But no character concerns that, either, right? Like he's a pretty clean, squeaky kid. And he's too. a legacy prospect. Yeah. Other than that, I'm not, you know, I know Gator fans are probably freaking out about everything. I I think Billy Napier has a plan. I don't think he's just losing recruits left and right. Uh, you see the hire of Corey Raymond. Like these guys aren't messing around. I, I, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. The only one that left me scratching my head was Jaden Gibson. I will say that from like a trying to take a outsider view of it, it's an interesting case study in the idea of transition classes aren't worth damn. Mm-hmm. Like, do you part with it and maybe take some portal one year plug types, especially on a roster that's not that bad in Gainesville? It's not like he's getting handed a roster that's completely in disrepair. Obviously, they need to get better at some places. There's going to be some depth concerns with guys leaving things of that sort. But that thing's not a mess like maybe this place was when it was taken over by Norvell, for example. At least in my opinion, it's not. So, I kind of wonder if he does the one-year transition class of potential portal guys and then go full-bore recruiting 23 to get his guys. I'm a little interested in that. Or maybe he's got some tricks up his sleeve and he's going to pull 10 high school kids in the early period that he had relationships with in Louisiana who his prior job wasn't of the level that those kids would go to, but UF is of that level. Yeah, the Transition classes across the board – haven't worked for pretty much right. anyone. Um, I, if someone can think of one or two that has, let me know. But it, we've seen FSU two transition classes now really haven't worked. Um, so yeah, this is an interesting approach to it. It's a different one. Doesn't mean it's going to work. But what's what's standard practice right now isn't working for schools across the country. So it'll be interesting. I, I'm intrigued to see it. Uh, let's go real quick, and we'll do obviously more recruiting stuff uh, as we kind of do our final predictions or whatnot for early signing period. Uh, I think on Monday show probably. But what are some of the open-ended recruitments uh, before we get to official visits, Josh, that we're looking at? I'm thinking of Kevin Coleman. I'm going down the list here. Kevin Coleman, uh, Tyree West, Julian Armella. Uh, so, yeah, maybe those names we'll start off with. Um, on okay. What's the latest on those guys? Uh, Kevin Coleman, Florida State, did their final in-home visit with him two nights ago. Uh, talked to several sources on that, that recruitment. FSU feeling really good about where they stand. Um, this weekend will be interesting. Follow the visits. See if he's going to Texas. Is he going to go to Miami? Or does he stay home this weekend? Um, I think all three are on the table. Originally, it kind of seemed like he was going to go to Texas this weekend with Mario, who was recruiting him to Oregon, headed down to Miami. I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's something to watch. I right now really feel confident in my crystal ball of Florida State. Um, moving on to Julian Armella. I feel great about him and my crystal ball to FSU because he's coming to campus in the next couple hours or tomorrow to start his official visit, the last visit he's going to take before signing day. Um, and then you got also Javante Barnes out there in Las Vegas. I know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of optimism there as well for Florida State, but he's going to be either at USC this weekend or Miami. Um, I think it would bode better for Florida state to see him pop up in Coral Gables rather than USC uh, rather than LA because, because I think 
Lincoln Riley was probably going to land Javante Barnes at Oklahoma had everything stayed the way it was. But with him going to USC, kind of opened things up, maybe got FSU's foot in the door a little bit more. I think it'd be better if he goes to Miami this weekend rather than USC. Um, who else is out there still dangling around? We're going to talk about Azariah Thomas because he's coming in on official visit. But who else is there? Uh, Marvin Jones Jr. and um, the, la, 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 Julian Armella. Or two. I talked about Julian Armello, but I did drop a crystal ball pick for Marvin Jones Jr. this week. I put it on Alabama, mainly because that's where I've been saying on this platform or on my dozen other platforms that I speak on that I think he's probably going to Alabama. So I just felt like putting a crystal ball pick in there. He went to USC on a midweek visit, and there's a little bit of smoke there that USC's in it. We <sighs> tend to hear that coming out of official visits. Um, we know it. Lincoln Riley had a great relationship with him at Oklahoma. Is USC too far? Uh, is it too late for USC to get in? I don't know. Today, Mike Norvell is going to do his final in-home visit. Today, Nick Saban's going to do his final in-home visit. It's a big day in the recruitment of Marvin Jones Jr. Nick so Saban in-home visit is horrifying. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. It's worth keeping an eye on Miami this weekend just because they're trying to get a lot of guys in. Javante Barnes is one of those examples. USC is also trying to get him in. Kevin Coleman's another guy Miami was trying to pull in this weekend. I think Josh's belief is that that's not going to happen this weekend, but we shall see, right? Do I have that correct, Josh, regarding on Coleman who? in Miami? Coleman in Miami. I don't think so. I mean, it, like I'm watching it, but I don't think so. Kendrick Law is supposed to be at LSU. That's just playing a string out. That's still an FSU, Alabama, LSU battle. Texas tried to get in there, but I still think it's mainly those three I mentioned. Earl Little Jr. is another one. Miami's trying to get in this weekend. Tyree West is trying to – Tennessee's trying to get him in. They're enjoying the Tyree West experience. We where are we see at? What happens where are we at with Tyree, Tyree I think we're West? Solid eight, right? Aren't we solid, eight. solid eight. I'm down to eight, and Chris is up to eight. Wow. Yeah, I think we're at a solid eight. Um, so there's those, and then there's some – you know, lesser target types um, that we've discussed, but nobody that I can really point to. Jaden Gibson, we talked about earlier, very interested in where he goes, but I'm, I don't think it will be FSU this weekend. Um, but I do think wherever he does go is going to be a telling tale. Nigel e. Kelly, I guess, is one of the only other names that we haven't. Yeah, I don't know if Kelly's supposed to be anywhere. Marvin Jones is supposed to be at Georgia. We talked about that. Would Kelly, mm-hmm. I think Miami might be trying to come in. I'm not 100 That would make Trump. sense. Yeah, He could I mean, visit Miami again. I mean, I feel good about where Miami sits because I had him going out to OU. I think it was OU or FSU. And I think the thing that was keeping FSU in it when they – I'm sorry, not OU. You Oregon. O, Oregon. Yeah, oh, just the O. Um I think the thing that was keeping FSU in it when it was Oregon versus FSU was the fact that mom would have preferred him to stay closer to home, which most likely would have been FSU. When Mario goes to Miami, to me, the puzzle pieces just fit. Now it's like, okay, it's a team that we're, that mom and Nigel Leak were both considering at one point. And now it's the coach that just is coming from Oregon. The coach that he was ready to, in my opinion, commit to is now in his hometown city. So to me, the puzzle pieces fit there. I'm not optimistic that they get Nigel Eek, but I know that they're they're certainly in the recruitment still. Yeah, that's someone who was very matter of fact that they believed if Mario before Mario got hired at Miami that if he got hired at Miami that Nigel Eek would follow him to Miami. Comes the breaks. And this okay, knows him and his mother both very well. Let's move into official visits coming up. Uh, 
could be starting this evening, probably starting tomorrow for most of them. We're, we're hammering down details still as we record this on Thursday afternoon. So a yeah. living, breathing official visitor list. So it will change, could change uh, or solidify. Uh, let's start off with Azurea Thomas from Niceville. Uh, you guys kind of documented his recruitment already, but uh, uh, this seems like a example of FSU kind of winning a battle of attrition, right? Yeah, well, rewind it just a step. Florida State's expecting six official visitors, right? Six official visitors. And they're going to be a mix of high school, JUCO, and transfer. So starting with the high school players, you got four-star athlete Azaray Thomas. Chris, at one point, it was Oklahoma. At one mm-hmm. point, it was LSU. Mm-hmm. How did FSU get involved? Because at one point, it was no FSU. Yeah, it's funny. He did the seven on with Niceville this summer and and talking to assistant coaches at Niceville, people that we've known, that I've known for several years. It was just kind of a matter of fact thing of like the relationship just wasn't there that the kid did not have an interest in FSU for circumstances that the staff at FSU really couldn't control, even if they wanted to. Um, But that didn't matter to the staff here and they kept chipping away. Marcus Woodson did a really, really good job of continually recruiting him, building a relationship, building a bond and when the time came and things have changed because those other schools had had so many changes, he who's far more receptive to FSU and that got us to this point here. So it's all pretty interesting. You know, people sometimes say, Oh, why are you wasting your time? Why are you still recruiting a kid? Why essentially, why are you playing the string out? This is why, because sometimes to a degree, I don't want to use the term it falls in your lap, but the opportunity presents itself and you might have a chance to close on it. This is one of those situations that falls in its lap. We've talked about this. Chris and I were on the field talking to Azare Thomas and his and his assistant coaches after the seven on seven. And it was just like a very weird, like they kind of explained like, yeah, nothing against FSU, just zero interest. Uh, it was just very matter of fact, like very known. And we, you and I just kind of walked away feeling like, well, that's one prospect that we don't have to worry about covering the rest of the cycle. He was, he was wearing UF gear. Wasn't he at that seven on seven gloves? He had some UF gloves. Yeah. Yeah. That's not like it's a conscious uncommon. decision, though. Yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. But like we, but just it was a very calm and and smooth. Yeah, I'm not interested. Much respect to them, but I'm just not interested. And then just to know, just to see him coming in, it's just it's mind blowing. Like Chris said, this is the reason why you hang around recruitments. You just never know. All right, right. let's keep it moving. Uh, the high school level, we talked about four-star offensive tackle Julian Armella. He'll be in this weekend. FSU hoping to seal the deal there. All the crystal balls are flowing in FSU's direction. Three-star defensive tackle commitment Daniel Lyons is coming in. Daniel Lyons is at Homestead High School. Chris, what happened to his Homestead teammate, Dante Anderson? Dante had told me uh, it was Saturday, Sunday, somewhere in that ballpark that he was coming in for an official this weekend. FSU has been involved with Dante. John Papuchas has gone to see him, for example. South Florida recruiters have gone to see him as well. But I think he's a plan B type kid at best. Um, from what we were told throughout the week and confirmed again with an FSU source later in the week, they did not intend to bring him in this weekend. So I don't know if he's going anywhere this week. I think he's a recruitment that's going to last into February. Okay. All right. Um, but his teammate, Daniel Lyons, FSU commitment will be on campus. He's been rock solid in his commitment. No wavering, no expectations there. He will sign with Florida State next Wednesday. Florida State is also bringing in three-star Juco safety, Marquise Gilbert. He is ranked as the number one Juco safety in the country. He is original from originally from Palm Coast High School. Uh, Chris, were you familiar with him out of 
out of high school at all. No, I don't remember him out of high school. I believe he went to Bethune out of high school, correct, before he went to JUCO? Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, FSU, Auburn, Tennessee, all involved. I think there's a good bit of optimism for Marquise Gilbert to FSU. I think this visit might just seal the deal, and he is deciding in a few weeks and expected to enroll at a new school in January. Have you put a crystal ball pick in for Gilbert? uh, I don't think any of us have yet. Auburn holds one. I think he put it in. Auburn did have a little bit of confidence. I don't know if that has waned here in the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll check in with Keith and see what he says. Yeah, that might be one we need to we need to put a pick in. All right, moving on to some transfers. Uh, those those four came from high school in JUCO. Albany defensive end transfer Jared Verse is going to be in this weekend. One of the most talented defensive end prospects in the transfer portal. Florida State. Florida State is very high, to say the least, on Jared Verse. Um, I would say of all the portal guys right now that they're recruiting, they feel that Verse has the most potential to come in and make an impact. Um, They want to seal this up this weekend. I know Syracuse, Iowa, and Houston are also involved. Chris, anybody else getting involved late? I know you've been talking to Jared. Yeah, he went to Syracuse last weekend. Houston supposed to be at Iowa before FSU on Saturday. Um, he had a whole bunch of people trying to get him in. Tennessee is probably the main one I would say you need to keep an eye on is possibly trying to steal a visit from somebody else. Um, but yeah, it was flying at him. He was he was a very very busy man when John Papuchas was in the house and he officially got the offer from FSU and walked into the visit. He immediately had Tennessee in the house, I believe, right after. So that kind of speaks to. The, the speed of his recruitment. He went in the portal, had about three dozen on him out of the gate, took a visit, was home for a couple days, taking a bunch of other visits, wants to decide. This is how sometimes transactional recruiting works. Hmm. I am told that Florida State became aware of Jared Verse while they were prepping for Syracuse. Because he Syracuse ran down their played Albany in a game, and Jared Verse was the best player on the field, I was told. And yeah. at that point, they knew if this kid hit the portal, they were gonna they were gonna go after him. So it's kind of funny how that happens. Sean Tucker, Syracuse running back, damn good player, one of the better players in the league. Verse runs him down, and it, it's impressive on video. It's the first play on his highlights. Yeah, for a that's how you make a highlight. By the way, all you kids yeah. at home studying how to make a highlight, that's how you make a highlight. Yeah, that's no, play first. No the one old wants Rick to... rule. Those five seconds are gonna keep him from pulling out and throwing it against the wall. Yeah, you don't want the 90-yard touchdown where you just you know run through an open hole. You want to do where you're doing something crazy that makes you want to keep watching a little bit more where you're hurdling someone or, or doing something freakish. Yeah, take, My take favorite is when you know it's going to be – you know it's a three-star recruit when their first 30 seconds are just like a photo gallery of them. Oh, no. The slideshow. The slideshow <laughs> photos. Uh... All right. Uh, the final visitor, let's get through this, is another transfer. He is the sixth and final visitor of the weekend. Oregon wide receiver – Micah Pittman. Um, we've been talking a lot about Micah Pittman on Knowles 24-7. The day he went into the portal, it was a Monday, I think three weeks ago now. Um, Kenny Dillingham hit him up. They offered him. And since then, Kenny Dillingham has made two cross-country trips to Eugene, Oregon for in-home visits with Micah Pittman. Uh, they saw him, I think, two nights ago. And Pittman will be in Tallahassee, I believe, tonight, uh, Thursday. Thursday evening, he will begin his official visit. FSU views him as a playmaker. He's a priority. He's definitely a take. We've seen other guys kind of come and go, fizzle out their recruitments. Remember, Joshua Moore was supposed to be in this weekend. Remember, FIU wide receiver Tyrese Chambers was supposed to be in this weekend. 
near those guys, those recruitments kind of fizzled out. Um, we told you on Knowles 24-7 yesterday that that, that wasn't going to happen. But Micah Pittman is a priority, so we'll see what happens with him this weekend. He was at Arizona State last weekend. FSU's invested a ton of time in him, Kenny Dillingham specifically, um, someone who has okay numbers from a receiving perspective at Oregon, but uh, athletic profile is what FSU wants, which is someone who's twitchy, who's fast, and uh, top 15 punt returner this past year nationally, which I think is uh, something that this entire fan base can get behind. Uh, anything else or any other developments of oh, – go ahead, Chris. You're on mute, so if you unmute yourself, I can hear what you're saying. That's how that I was going to say one other development that we can add to this is Miles Frazier, the offensive lineman transfer from FIU, who's up in Jersey. He is currently, from what we understand, at NC State on campus and expected to go from there to LSU. FSU had been contending for a weekend visit. His recruitment's a bit odd, uh, for lack of a better term. Um I don't want to say FSU is out of it, but the lack of a weekend visit is a setback. Sorry, now I'm on mute. Um, that'll be his, his recruitment doesn't have to go by the same calendar as the high school prospects. Right? I know everybody's obsessed with uh, Miles Frazier right now, but I just have a feeling we're going to move on and be obsessed to get about another offensive lineman. Yeah, that's how it works. I just like I would like this year if one of our offensive line obsessions that plays tackle actually ends up on campus. Be pretty cool. Be pretty cool. Um, just one. At I least Chris isn't just, even greedy. Just he just wants one. You want just a center one. and you want a tackle, and then you got the rest. Everything else kind of falls into place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is Destin Hill alive and around and real? See a person that we know of? Yeah, um, check on him every other day. And the plan, they are still counting Destin Hill to be here. That has not changed, folks. I just want to get ahead of the curve there before anyone asks us. All right. Last thing I want to talk about real quick. Uh, first off, thank you. we got like 300 people watching this right now, which middle of the day on a Thursday, that's pretty awesome. So thank you for the support. Uh, hit subscribe if you want to get notifications on our YouTube channel, like when we go live. Uh, also on the bench, five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get us. Uh, much appreciated. And we're still looking for sponsorship. So, you know, if you want to want to help help your boys get a little, little extra change and um, help your business as well, Josh will do the reads, not me. It'll be someone much more polished and likable. Maybe even Chris. Look at that hair. Just perfect, beautiful head of hair he's got on him. Okay. Um, what I want to talk about real quick is just some of the attrition that's occurred this week and I guess since last week. So FSU has seen Jalen Goss, Ira Henry, Carter Boatwright, Julio McCray, John McCluster, and True Thompson enter the transfer portal. That's six players. Edmund Rice, the city's going pro. DeKalen Brooks, the city's going pro. Uh, Jordan Wilson said he's going pro, but he didn't have any more eligibility left, I believe. Like Emmett Rice was someone who could have potentially had the waiver for his seventh year. Uh, that's obviously not happening. Jermaine Johnson just announced he's going pro, but again, eligibility. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah. there are still Jermaine some... For those that didn't see, Jermaine issued a really good note. You should go read it. Yeah, it's really awesome. We'll check it out, and it'll be on. We'll put on Ultimate Four Seven Two. But uh, a really, really great note. I, for him to become as light, well liked, and well regarded as he did in one year, I don't know if we'll see that again uh, at many schools. So, anyways, numbers, Josh, will they work out? Always. What's happening right now? Buzzsaw. There's me. construction going on. <laughs> I, I, I told you that. I love- it. It's Josh again. Yes. 
I love when when Chris is uh, there was banging at Chris's house. Josh starts looking over his shoulder because Pavlovian dog. He's just used to construction going around behind his house as it's been. Dude, I visited your. I ch- I hung out with you at your house. What like three four months ago? And there was construction going on next door. It's not my anything. neighbor ripped off the back of their house and they're doing an extension and putting a pool in. So like where I record in my house is is like forty yards away from this massive construction that's taking place good it's a cheap thing to do nowadays to rip off your house and uh, and build up uh, building materials are cheap now it's good timing good timing uh so anyway six guys transfer portal uh a few more have gone pro or, or left i think we're still expecting some more attrition coming up uh, but but i think that the first big initial wave has probably kind of presented itself next up is like does Fabian love it? Come back or go pro? We expect him to come back. Jay Sean Corbin, I've heard some optimistic things about him coming back, but we don't know for sure. Jamie Robinson is kind of a wild card, so there's still some some uh, open ended aspects there. Do any other like role players or even starters enter the transfer portal? I think we'll have to see kind of what happens with like the, the finalization of coaching hires, and and so there's still things that are going to happen. I say all that to say the numbers, as Josh said will work out. It'll work out for FSU getting under 585 scholarships. Yes, because as of right now, with the 17 commits they have, including Bless Harris, uh, the transfer, uh, if it ended today with what FSU has on the roster and what FSU is going to sign, like with who they have currently committed, you would have 84 projected scholarship players. Uh, but if FSU wants to take a full class of 25, Chris, check my math here, uh, FSU would need seven more players to exit the roster. And then if they want to get to the 32 class with the the plus seven rule, which uh, don't worry about plus seven. Like FSU is going to have seven transfers for you to add uh, seven more to that class. Whether you get under 85, they would have to get to 14 more departures. Does that all make sense? Correct. I threw a lot of numbers out there. Do we think they're going to get to 32 in this class? It seems. I don't know that they ambitious. make it quite to 32. I think they're going to be in between the 25 and the 32. I've, that's kind of what I've settled on too, Chris. Is, it makes sense. I think you get to, to probably you could take the full class, and maybe a little bit more with with some. They're at seventeen right now, correct? Including Bless yep. Harris. Yes. We expect ballpark of five more here soon. Fair, fair number. Uh, Twenty two, twenty three. Are we including like? I'm saying between like now and Wednesday. Yeah, but you're saying transfers as well, well like everyone. You can also add some transfers after Wednesday, yeah. leading up to January. So. Yeah, you're at 17. Do I think they add 15 more kids to this class? I'm not. I'm not convinced it's 15 more total kids. I think that's reasonable. I think we'll probably get a little bit more than 25. <laughs> Josh, not me. Or me, not Josh. I'm that not was sure Josh. I, I'm getting used to whose uh, construction's coming from where. Anything you want to add to that, Josh? Just the numbers are going to work out? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris. I don't think they're going to end up signing. I don't think they're going to fill up. I think they'll have some space you know, yeah. available, and, and the way the in the spring, the way the plus seven rule works is it's not seven or nothing. It'd be plus one, plus two, plus three based on the transfers. So I mean, they're already up to six transfers. You're already up to plus six. Um, one thing I wanted to get clarification on, Chris, because the NCAA release on this ruling doesn't specify the AP Can it be high school to- players or transfers. It has to be transfers based on what the Associated Press has said. The NCAA's ruling doesn't have any specification on that. So I'm confused. I'm hoping in the time I'm at FSU over the next 72 hours to run into somebody, specifically somebody that can answer that for me and ask that very question. Because I've read and seen and heard both in the rule 
on the NCAA side doesn't clarify it perfectly. So I want to hear what the school's belief on it is. I had somebody told me tell me it's just 32 players. Does not depend where they come from. If you're that's what, 25 points out. That's the way the NCAA's release makes it seem. Yeah. But again, the Associated Press isn't in the business of reporting like wrong news very often. So like seems like them saying that it has to be transfers to some we'll, we'll we'll clarify it and work on clarifying that for you guys. We promise we will this week. Uh we'll try to get that clarified. I'm gonna say clarify one more time. Uh Josh Byersonone one more time. Say one more time, Josh uh Byersonone, Rising Spear Initiative. Are you buying the name and are you buying the initiative? Or are you synoning those? I think it's a name that'll grow on me. <laughs> I thought it was a little weird at first, but I, I feel like it'll grow on me. All right. For Chris Nee, Josh Newberg, Zach Boston buying a cat somewhere. I'm Brendan Sinow. This has been on the bench. We'll talk to you guys later. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.